0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Prime Podcast. We've got a really special guest today and really excited for you to listen in. I first heard about Martin Rooney probably 10 plus years ago when I had first got introduced to the world of training when I was still a physical education teacher, football and track and field coach. I was asked to attend a Perform Better Summit, which is kind of like the trajectory that changed everything for me. And when I went there, one of the speakers there who had tons of energy brought that kind of motivational spark that I needed to take the next step was Martin Rooney. Many years later, uh, he's still pretty active on his own platforms and what he's doing, but also being able to spread that knowledge and keeping me motivated and entertained and inspired to continue my passion. This time around, We're talking all about culture. He has two books that he has recently written, Coach to Coach and High 10, which are two books about team culture, business culture, family culture. Culture takes place everywhere around us. And in this episode, we dive deep into all aspects of it. Teams, athletes, businesses, life, parenting, all of it. And we're really, really excited for you to listen in. And if you are a coach, if you are into team or business culture in any way, we're all leaders in some way. I'd highly recommend reading both of the books, Coach to Coach and High 10, as they are complementary. Coach to Coach is the, the first version, and High 10 is the sequel that touches on some of the same characters and goes a little deeper with their stories. Take a listen, and if you enjoy it, go buy the books. Enjoy. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> hey. hey, hey whoa,
1: whoa. Let's go. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Bet. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. I'm at my hey, hey, whoa, whoa. I'm at my cra
0: Hey, welcome back to the Prime Podcast. Today we have a really special guest, Martin Rooney. Um, if you're not familiar with Martin, Martin's an internationally recognized coach, speaker, best-selling author, former bobsledder, Division One track athlete, judo black belt, Guinness World Record holder, uh, creator for Training for Warriors, which is a fitness company running programs in 200 locations, 20 different countries around the world. He's consulted for Fortune 500 companies done major universities, Alabama, Auburn, a whole lot of different stuff, professional teams, the Jets, the Bengals, the Panthers, the Giants, military organizations. Essentially, Martin has done just about everything you could possibly do in the the fitness and, and culture and representing and, and doing some different things. So Martin, I'm really, really proud and really excited to have you on. Uh, hey, the Prime podcast today.
1: My pleasure, Anthony. And for everybody listening, all the things you just heard, they are real. It just means I'm getting really old. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, like I always challenge everybody, if you just did one cool thing a year, you'd have something great to talk about. Well, now almost, you know, I'm coming up on 25, 30 years in fitness and health. Hey, that should be about 25, 30 cool things. So hopefully we cover those today.
0: Yeah. And that's great. And I think having that like your body of work. And I think we we've t- I talked about this with some some other folks in previous podcasts uh, people having that body of work to represent uh, and like you said 25 30 years of work that you've collected over that time and just great things that you've done throughout. And the reason I I you know I've known about Martin a long time and I I've, I've seen him present and I've used tactics that he's used. One of the, one of the greatest memories I think I walked into a conference for the first time. Um, this was a, a big kind of training summit. And he had 150 people, probably maybe even more in those big, those big kind of hands on sessions doing jumping jacks in unison. And it was just kind of caught my eye. And I was like, oh, I got to go in there and see what's going on. And, and, you know, Martin's energy and the way that they had things going on. And I actually adopted that for my athletes and my team having setting those high expectations and having that crisp and um, thing. So I thank you for like, you know, just being like in the forefront of all that kind of stuff. So that was great.
1: Well, my pleasure. And those and those events were just legendary. Yeah, and sometimes we'd have five hundred people all going at once. And hey, ultimately, I know we're going to talk about it today as culture. But what you saw and what attracted you to that was actually the culture being set at a really high level with a bunch of people that didn't know each other and being able to do it in a couple of minutes. And that's that's leadership. That's culture. But it's attractive, and people want to be part of it. And and uh, so you almost said that without saying
0: it yeah for sure and, and like I said I and then being able to take that information and then using it and carrying it over to you know what what I was doing helped my my own teams and my different things having those expectations and building that culture and those expectations for those kids to perform at a high level and you know and take that take that part of it into the rest of their lives and which is what we're trying to do in, in the book yeah. so and in, in Martin had recently come out with the the book called high 10 which is a culture book. It's a sequel to a previous book called Coach to Coach, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, and I had, once I saw, I had actually heard it on another podcast, Zach Evanesh's podcast, and they were talking about culture and different things. And I was like, I got to get this book. And I I got both of them. I listened to Coach to Coach like in like three days on Audible. And then I had, while I was listening to that, I ordered a a whole bunch for my staff of high 10. And the the book is about culture and how to build culture in teams and businesses and so let's take us down, like, how, how did we get, how did you get into like the culture part of things versus, I know, cause you started as like in Parisi Speed School and doing the training part of things. Like what kind of changed your, your mind from the, the training part of it into the culture part of it?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a, that's actually a great question. And, and for everybody listening, just to give everybody a quick history, super fast, I'll try. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my mom was my first coach. She was a physical education teacher and awesome. coach and just raised me. In a great culture in our house, that hey, you get eight hours of sleep, you eat a good breakfast, you train really hard, and and you just try to outwork everybody. And and uh, I did that growing up, played every sport, and then I got lucky and got around this great coach. Uh, this track coach for junior high and high school, and the guy invested in me and poured everything into me. To, you know, ultimately, now looking back, he showed me what a great coach is all about, and that got me to college to do track and field at the Division One level, and then that training all led to eventually, yeah, being part of the U.S. bobsled team. And and along the way too, I got two degrees in exercise phys and a and a degree in physical therapy, and I started working in physical therapy, and I knew. I really wanted to be in sports. It wasn't that I didn't like what I was doing. I guess the challenge was I didn't love what I was doing and I knew I could make a bigger impact. And that's when, hey, I met Bill Parisi. We started building the Parisi Speed School. We got it you know, to a hundred locations across the US working with so many great teams and athletes. And when I really saw how I was producing the results I was producing... That's when I had the big breakthrough. That's when I realized it wasn't just what I knew. It was the way I was coaching and I could be better. And, and then it wasn't just the way I was coaching. It was the cultures I was creating with the teams I was working with and the businesses I was consulting. And that's when I really saw that, holy cow, if you can't coach, coach and you don't know how to build a culture, none of the other stuff matters. And mm. that's when I deep dove into it for, say, the last decade. I've been presenting around the world on both topics and everybody said you got to write a book you got to write a book and and man the pandemic pandemic unfortunately gave me a great a lot of time on my hands and a great opportunity to write these books yeah. and now they've come out and and man they're moving all over the world they're easy reads parable format and people love them
0: yeah i love the stories So I'm, uh, as i'm reading them i'm like man where does he come up with all these different stories <laughs>
1: <Sure. But laughs> like I- is it- how do you come that, up
0: with all those stories, well, it's funny. this I collection that, over the years?
1: Yeah. Well, I get that question a lot. And here's what I would say for anybody listening or, hey, a lot of people tell me they want to write a book. They want to write a book. And I said, hey, if you ever want to write a book, you got to read a lot of books. Right. And I have read over 2,000 books that are on my shelves. They don't get on my shelf unless I've read it. I love reading. And then I, I began to study writing. And you know what's interesting, Anthony, is both books, what they really are is – they're the two books that I wanted that weren't on my shelves and I couldn't find them. So I went and wrote them, you know, but they are a culmination of everything I've read. So all of those stories, I might have picked up one of those a year, maybe training in the martial arts or meeting a coach somewhere in the world. And, and a lot of the stories within the story are all real too, or things that had happened to me. But ultimately, yeah, it was, I have been on the hunt and on this quest to be better, and and all the things you pick up, I tried to include those in the books.
0: Yeah, continual improvement, continual improvement. That's come up like I, I it keeps coming up in, in different books that I've been reading recently, and they, I guess in the Japanese culture it's called kaizen. Yep, which is the the, the quest for continual improvement. Yeah, and that's that's been a common theme for me. It just keeps coming up like omens the last like two, three weeks. I just like this continual improvement, deep dive into different things. And it's, it's been really exciting to see that.
1: Yeah. Well, how I interpret that one for anybody listening and, and I had originally heard it, you know, I'm, I'm a judo black belt as maybe people heard. I studied in, in the Japanese style. I spent a lot of time in Japan training, uh, fighters before there was a UFC when we were training for events called pride and Pancrase, And that's where I was introduced to it or the ideal, and how I really distilled it down was to just be, just be like a a half of a half of a half of a percent better than you were yesterday. But try to do it in everything from the way you breathe, to the way you sleep, to the things you've read, to the way you move. And, uh, and ultimately you're seeking, you know, to become a master of some of the stuff that you do. And, and so maybe that even gives it a little better explanation. You know, some people see it as always continued improvement. Well, what I always say is, well, how do you do that though? And it's just, hey, can you be a little bit better than you were yesterday, right? Compete with your former self. And uh, and I always used that. And that was my litmus test at the end of the day when I would go to bed at night. Hey, how am I a little better today? What did I learn new today? What you know, How did I grow? Did I eat better? Did I do something? And man, if I scored a zero on that, that was a wasted day. But man, if I added up enough of those days in a row – Man, at the end of a year or, or at the end of a decade, that's when really amazing stuff happens. Yeah.
0: Like you said before, getting like one one really cool thing per year over time, like you got 25, 30 cool things to to, to say, and like all those things build up into like those cool things. Awesome. Now you talked about having like a good coach and having like, you know, build getting into some of these good cultures. But many of us, like I had talked off air a little bit, like growing up into a couple of having bad, you know, quote unquote, bad coaches or not being, you know, maybe coaches who aren't aware of the culture that they're creating or tolerating or letting happen. And then as you grow, like for me, you know, I I played high school football, played college football, and then went to be a coach myself. And then most of my coaching and in the beginning was a model of the coaches that I had previously had. Yep. So then how, you know, like, so then we're looking at, okay, maybe I can now I have some like conscious, conscious, like incompetence that like, I understand that maybe I'm not doing the right things. I'm aware of it, but now like, what are some steps that we can take to kind of start building a better culture? If we know, if we start to be aware of not that
1: the culture might be in the (laughs) wrong direction. (laughs) Well, Well, you said some really important things there. And the first one is that we are a product of our, whether you want to say environment or pro- a product of our teachers, a product of our coaches, that's essentially what we are, a product of our parents, our families, who we interact with. And, uh, you know, that from, from the, probably the religion we follow to the things that we believe, and all of those things, for everybody listening, all add up to be culture, right? It's, it's just the culture that you follow. And, you know, so I want to take a step back just so that everybody understands, culture is everywhere, right? Like a lot of people, when I start talking about it, people will say, ah, well, my business doesn't have a culture or my team doesn't have a culture. And oh, no, 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 no. Oh, it sure does. Mm -hmm. Because if you got two people together or more than two, because you can't have culture just by yourself. But if you got more (laughs) than two, there's a culture, there's a dynamic, there's an interaction, a feeling, uh, like the ways that you do things, right? And what I really want to caution everybody when now that hopefully they understand that is that, hey, you either know which one you want and design it from the start, or it's going to get designed and it may not be what you want and come back to haunt you. And that's why Anthony, as we were talking before we started this, that's where the toxic cultures come from or the nightmare teams or just how things all fall apart because it was never imagined and then set in the first place, right? So, so the biggest advice I could give about culture would be build a time machine and go back to when it also, when, when yours started and, and do it right from the first time. But if you can't do that, then what it is is you've got to become aware of it. You got to learn tools to assess it. And then you got to start the hardest part of the whole process, and that's either trying to change it or get everybody on board with what you really want it to become. And that is what the book High Ten is about. It shows everybody how to do it through a story, and, uh, but ultimately, hopefully, that's a, a good uh, you know, starting point or diving board to leap off of as we jump into this.
0: Yeah. And then you, and like you said, you don't create the culture. If you don't create it yourself or design it yourself, somebody else will. And a lot of times in at least the high school setting and sometimes maybe in the college setting too. Um, but you see coaches kind of passing the buck to the kids. Oh, like we have good leaders or we have bad leaders or we have this, but they never, like you talk about in the book a little bit, but nobody ever teaches these kids who are high schoolers and you're leaving them in charge of your culture of your team that you're going to be here you know if you're a coach maybe you're going to run that team for 20 years and you let the culture of that have ebbs and flows based off of whatever kids are there versus potentially teaching the kids how to build a, you know what i mean so exactly. i think like putting that onus onto um, the kids is a, is a very A very tough pill to swallow, I guess. What
1: what that is, man, that is – we talk about it in the book. Remember, what did I call it? A vitamin L deficiency. And really, culture, if I were to really – and there's so many pieces of clarity that I've gained over it. And hey, remember, for everybody listening – I didn't just make this stuff up. This is from running multiple businesses. This is from being a coach myself for a very long time. I'm I've been the high school and middle school track coach for a bunch of years, you know, the last 7 years here in our town. You know, so on all levels, the biggest thing is uh, like we're hearing, the culture is there, but it is the responsibility of the leader. And that's where it, it all is going to either happen or not happen. And like you just mentioned, so if the leader says, Hey guys, yeah, you take care of it. Hey, you run it. Can't entrust a bunch of high school kids to yeah. the culture <laughs> of your program. They need to be led. And really high 10 is also a leadership book. So is coach to coach. And uh, so that a coach has to accept their responsibility as a coach and a leader. And then you got to understand how to build culture. And you have to be the biggest crusader for that culture. And if you're not, Here's the thing. Then you're lazy and you're going to get what you get. But the best, the best ones, man, they are leaders. And, you know, we were just having that conversation about a college coach that says, Hey, this is how we do it. And if you don't like it, you're gone. And see, that's leadership versus, Hey, yeah. Uh, if we got people doing the wrong things or not showing up or breaking rules, we'll tolerate it. Then you're going to have a lousy culture. And that's the weakness of the leader.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I had, I I was a, you know, when I was early in my football coaching career, I, I got a chance to work under a pretty, uh, really well-known, and, and he was a great football coach in New York City f- f- history. They won some a lot of city championships, and he. I remember him saying that either you taught it or you let it happen. And in your book, he, you, you know, you taught it or you tolerated it. But you know, if any, if anything, you like either you just taught it, like regardless if you actively taught it or you taught them to, you know, that you're going to let it slide or something like that. That is huge as the leader, like you said, to either you taught that thing to do, you know, Do you designed it by teaching the way that, to do it correctly, or you let it happen and, and you let people slide and let people mispractice and let people do whatever they were going to do. And it, it turns into
1: that development of your culture over time. Yep. Well, and, and I came up with a little slogan, if you saw it, it's right in the, right in the introduction. <clears throat> and I was just having a conversation, uh, you know, uh, we were talking offline, but for everybody listening, I dropped my daughter off this weekend at notre dame so she will be on the track team at notre dame and by the way uh yes my resume is impressive i've coached you know from top pros olympic medalists ufc champs all the way down but the hardest person in the world to coach is your own kid (laughs) so so i attribute building a great culture even within our own home to make that happen but why i'm saying it is here's the, the we i was just there I was talking to the coaches there about it because they have the books and they said, oh, there was this line. There was this line and this was the line. You ready? If you permit it, you promote it. Mm-hmm. There's there's no in between. It's not like, oh, you let something slide, but you you know it's wrong and it's not going to happen again. No, no, no. If you permit, you know, because I always hear that word tolerate, like, oh, you get the culture that you tolerate. No, if you permit things to happen, it's like you promoted it as a leader. Mm-hmm. You're telling other people to do it. And uh Again, it's tough. I guess you could say, see, I I just accept the responsibility, so it's not tough, but the leader has to make the tougher decisions, and that might be ultimately getting rid of the wrong person on your team. And you know, in the book, I really cover that where the guy has one of the hardest things in the world. He's got to get rid of his best friend. Who started with the business, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so all of these themes and ideas are in the book, not just to show people how to do it, but give them the courage to do it too.
0: Yeah, and I think I think I've I've had this conversation with a couple other business owners who I've done personal training with and different things. But one of the things that the the pandemic has put a spotlight on is leadership. Yeah, and leadership in in our politics and our and our leadership in our school districts, our leadership and in, in every in every facet, like all these these things are they're where maybe a superintendent of a school is technically a leader, but they don't really have to make a lot of leadership decisions. And then all of a sudden, they have all these different things to now navigate. And maybe these appointed people or these people who are hired for these jobs aren't as great as leaders as we might have thought they might have been prior, once they're yep. in these positions where they have to make these tough decisions. And that's what leader being a leader is all about, having to make tough decisions that are you know, looking at things for the culture and for things to go in a positive direction.
1: I couldn't agree more. And hey, from all the way from the top down over the last couple of years, we have watched, you know, yeah, there has never been more revealed about leadership. and, And again, what could happen or what should happen and what doesn't. And here's the weird part though, Anthony, is that, well, how many classes did you have on leadership in school? Or you know, or college, or anywhere, and and we don't, and that's why we're weak there. And it's almost what got revealed for me was all the most important areas of our lives: finance, relationships, marriage, raising our kids, leadership. We don't get a minute of that in school. No. And I'll tell you what: during this pandemic, I sure didn't use any algebra or trigonometry. And that's nothing against math, and if, you know, and I loved math and I took math, but we got to do a better job preparing people and our future leaders for the real world. And that's given them, you know, at least some of this stuff. And Hey, my two books, that's, uh, that's what I, my, uh, you know, contribution, if people read it, they're going to be better and it'll help. And that's why I put it out there.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's helpful for me. You know, like you said, I, I've been doing, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 38 in October. Uh, like I said, I played high school football in like the late nineties, early 2000s. Played college football coached high school football and track and field for 10, 15 years. And some of the things, you know, I had early on in my career as an adult, I read Joe Ehrman's book, uh, inside out coaching. Yeah. You read that one.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think in that book, you know, this was, you know, probably 15, 20 years ago that kind of flipped my frame and how, because you know, like all the coaches I've had in the past, I never responded well to this. We're always like yellers yeah. and you know,
1: well, that, that was the culture of football, right? Like grab somebody, by the face mask, rip them around. Yeah. And if they make a mistake, berate them that it's the worst thing. And, and what's funny is that's a culture. That sport had that culture. And hey, I was around it too. And you know what? I, I fell prey to it as well. But then you realize there's this other level, this other layer. And then that isn't a necessity either. Hey, there's sometimes for that. People need a kick in the pants. Yeah. And some people do respond to that. But that's the art of coaching is you got to know – who does? Because you know what, you could ruin a whole person's life in just one quick experience like that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what what we have to be better with in terms of the, you know coaches who are, especially coaches who are working with middle school, high school level athletes. Like you're saying, like a kid can be going out to a team to have fun, and you you're making it not not an enjoyable experience. I've been yeah. watching the, the the show on Netflix called All American. Yeah. My, uh,
1: my my kids, my whole family, we've watched every season of that.
0: Yeah. Like I'm so hooked into it and it's so funny. (laughs) And like, like, uh, Billy Baker, the the main character, like Tay Dick's character, he just went to his old high school and there was a scene with his new team. He's trying to build this culture. He comes from Beverly Hills and goes there. And the kid is like, yo, I didn't pay to get yelled at, you know, like he didn't come here to get yelled at. Like, so it was like, kind of like this funny, like, then he had to reframe kind of how he was doing things. But yeah, like, no, like, Like you said, if if it's motivating and and some kids and you can emotionally tell like who's ready or who wants that sort of motivation, but it's important that we do kind of understand where different kids are coming from and understand what people are going through to be able to give them the proper motivation. And then again, building that culture around that. And
1: remember, but that all goes back to culture. So you have, see, what you just said is, hey, if you were going to run a team The culture of that team, you wouldn't yell at kids, maybe you gotta understand kids better, you gotta know what motivates each one of them, maybe have those deep conversations with each one of them and see that's leadership and that's culture. But if you say, hey, I'm gonna do it how we always did it and I'm gonna rip kids' heads off when they, you know, if they make a mistake, even if it's not their fault, then that's a culture. And you know what? Like, and you decided on that too. So, so do you see what I mean? That once we take everybody, this layer of culture, or, you know, I always hear level up, level up. Well, you know what? The ultimate level up is the culture that surrounds it all. Cause it'll determine your leadership, your coaching, how things are performed, your practices, all of it. And really until this book, most people never even thought about it, you know? And, uh, but it, it, but it shouldn't get people down. So if you're listening to this right now and you haven't been focused on it, don't be down. Be excited, right? Like don't get frustrated. Get fascinated. Be like, okay, I got, now I got to learn this. Let me get better at this. This this could have some of the answers I seek. And uh, you know, that would be the way I would ask everybody to approach it versus, oh, well, I never did it, so I can't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, you got all the stings, man. Don't get frustrated. Get fascinated. That's, a, that's <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that's another great one. He's like, and I love alliterations because they just they flow well, and there's something you remember, and it yep. just like makes it great. And yeah, like like Martin said, one of the things when you find out that you have a weakness, it's it's great. You know, for me, I love to find those things because now I'm like, oh look, there's something else I can improve upon, as opposed to getting like discouraged about it. Yep. So what do you what have you been doing? You said you still coach track and field. So you're still actively coaching track and field at a high school level?
1: Well, the season is over now. Right, right. uh, Yeah, so I was uh, the middle school coach for my daughter's team for three years and then the high school coach for the last four, you know, or one of the high school coaches. And it was an incredible experience. and, And, you know, obviously during the pandemic, usually I would travel almost every week somewhere in the world to present or to work with teams or within my business. And really almost now we're going on two years, that's gone away, you know? And uh, so it even gave me more opportunity to really focus back. And it really reminded me just how much I just love coaching. And and here was the big breakthrough too. I had this a while ago, but I don't care who I coach. See, also for anybody listening, I meet so many kids or young coaches coming up and they'll say, oh, I want to work with pros or I only want to work with stars. And really... Uh, That that isn't, I I just want to caution everybody that I would ask you like, why, right? Is it to make your Instagram look cool? Mm -hmm. Because if you want to be a coach, you should want to make great impact. And the greatest impact you can make is with the younger athletes, not the older, you know, not the one that's 30 something years old, that's already had a thousand coaches and makes a million dollars and doesn't want to listen to you. (laughs) And Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil some people's dreams. And if that's your dream, go for it, but never forget, if you really want to be a coach that's about impact and and the amount of results you can produce and those results are much more available with younger athletes right and uh, and you'll impact them for the rest of their lives now again you may not get shouted out on the front page of your paper but if that's what's important to you you're probably not in it for the right reason anyway right, right. you know because I'll always say people ask me hey who's the greatest coaches and I'll say they're all the ones you never heard about right like hey you and I we were just talking about Nick Sabin right yeah. hey I'm sure he's a great coach but Nick Saban's coaching the greatest athletes in the to, like in yeah. our country, <laughs> and for sure. the whole thing is, and somebody made them great first, and now he gets the pleasure of just setting them loose, right? And uh, you know, and again, and it's just a different level or a different layer of how we do things. So, not taking away anything from anybody, but somebody grew that kid, somebody's parents, somebody's uncle, somebody's uh, you know, these coaches that invested into them for eighteen years before they got there. You know, to just now see the next three or four or five, there's there's a difference there, right? And uh, I don't know. So I challenge everybody: Hey, are you the one making the incredible impact, or are you the one that I don't know wants to, you know, just you know, just again have have a great social media campaign? Yeah, I
0: I hear that a lot from people who ask me about training like who want to be trainers or strength coaches or whatever and they all want to work you know for division one programs or they want to do like you're saying like they want to do these professional things and i i give them a similar response you know like just trying to figure out like what like do you like what do you think about that is gonna and also those are really tough jobs to get to, yeah, right, so getting into a division one program or coaching you know only athletes or only like these high level athletes is gonna be a very challenging task in and of itself, but then, like you're saying, like you can have a huge huge impact on a if you start coaching a middle schooler and teaching them how to do something for the first time. One of my best relationships that I have, I had her on a the podcast recently is a track and field. I used to coach track and field in, in New York City, in Brooklyn for nine years. Um, cool. And one of my athletes, she's been to Olympic trials twice, and she's gotten fourth in the triple jump the last two times. Wow.
1: So she hasn't yeah. been able
0: to go either to the Olympics wow. both times, fourth. And I just had her on the podcast, and, she, and I still text her. I still have a relationship with her. And when I when I started coaching her, she was so new to the triple jump, and you know, I we were able to together develop this relationship and close with her family. And she ended up being a state champion in New York State, New York City champion. She went to Princeton. We went to you know, and like being able to have that impact on her life. Now she's you know, 15 years later, we still have a relationship, and she has a different her whole trajectory of her life has changed.
1: Yeah, and it's the greatest. Look at that incredible story. And we probably saw her because my daughter and I were out at uh, we went to the Olympic trials uh, this year in Oregon to go watch. Yeah. And uh, and and it's funny that you say that. That man, there were so many events. If you saw the Olympic trials, that whether it was the throwing, jumping, that literally it could have been a half an inch. That oh yeah, was third, third and fourth place, and it was a lot of times. It was that was something I really remarked about. That here is somebody that could still be maybe fourth in the world in a particular event, and now not even get to go. And uh, yeah, so the man, level but, of competition. But, again, but, do you, but do you see how happy you are and how proud you are? of that conversation. But it's so funny, because I imagine that you say back then, I don't want to work with these middle school kids, they don't know anything. And you know, another line that I got from my high school track coach, and it was, you never know who that great kid is going to be. So you got to treat everybody great. Right. And Mm -hmm. that was like his big thing. And, and you know, he coached for 40 something years, and you end up having some great kids along the way. And I'm still in touch with him all the time. So, the girl you just described, I'm that guy with my coach.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, and it's so funny because my daughter got her locker yesterday. And who was the first person that I sent it to? You know, the picture. And it was to my coach. And I said, Coach, you know, and here was the other part. I said, We did it. Yeah. We, we, because he, when she was born, he said, Hey, you got to get her hurtling. You got to get her in a lot <laughs> of events. Make her, make her versatile. And, you know, there's my coach coaching me. And then I coached her. And it's like, and he gets to feel a piece of that, you know? And uh, again, that's what it's all about, you know, for everybody listening. It's not about, and and, hey, it can happen anywhere as long as your heart is true. And I would never want to say, don't do this or do that. But also, I don't want everybody to forget too, like my company, it's a fitness company. And in a weird way, it predominantly works with more women than men, say 25 to like 55. And hey- There's incredible opportunity there too to help people lose weight or change their lives. And, you know, again, it's – I meet so many people that are doing these amazing things, but they're always looking that the grass is greener somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I would challenge everybody listening, hey, what are the great parts of your job? What impact are you making and how can you do it better?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what like we had talked about, like being in different positions, you know, being the home life matters. And that, you talk a lot about that in the book, in both books, I coach to coach and yeah, how, you know, how your culture, you know, the things that you do at home, you know, it says jobs will come and go, but family only comes once. I wrote that down from, I think that's, that might be from coach to coach, yep. but, um, so you only have these opportunities and then, you know, like we put so much emphasis on these jobs that, you know, maybe they have a negative culture or we're trying so hard to change it and they're stressing us out. But then when, then we bring that stuff home and that negative energy kind of vibes throughout. So that toxic, that toxic culture that we might be in in our workplace then carries over into potentially bringing a toxic culture into our home.
1: Yeah. Or Um, or just taking the the focus away. And remember, that was a big part of the books was just, you can get so caught up in your work or, or and you're just so, quote unquote, busy, which I say is one of the most dangerous words in the English language, that you're so busy, you're too busy for your kids or you're so busy, you're too busy for your spouse. You're too busy to ever set or create the culture. And then what do you have? I mean, I have a lot of friends right now, man, that their kids sit in corners of the house on phones and nobody has any conversations. And uh, I don't know, like that, no matter how much money's in their bank, they're not, that's not successful. You know, Mm. at least how I would measure it. And, uh, and again, and I'm not there to judge or anything else, but it's just, yeah, don't, don't, uh, sacrifice. It's not noble to sacrifice your family for your job you know, and that might be the way to say it or, but a better way too, is that I believe you can have both, but you have to be aware of it and work on it. And I'd love to say I'm perfect. I'm not, I think I've just made a, so many mistakes. I'm learning not to make them anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but definitely you gotta both dynamics, like you mentioned, influence the other and you gotta make sure they're right, or they're going to damage, uh, both of them too.
0: Yeah. Now, do you have, is that your, do you have only one child? Is that your
1: your No, I have four daughters. Four. (laughs) Nice. So I got four. She's my oldest. She's She's our oldest. oldest. Yeah. So she's our oldest. I have a sophomore in high school. She's a swimmer, which gives me a break because, you know, swim, you don't get to like they have swim coaches, all these things. I don't get to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I have another daughter who is in eighth grade and then I have a nine-year-old as nice. well. Who's now, And are they
0: all uh, doing sports and different activities?
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody's doing sports. I mean, it's just – with, to be honest, with the whole pandemic thing, it's been – it's almost like we've been all just training ourselves a lot too. So, so many things nice. have been shut down or – and then not reopened or things are reopened. So we're navigating that, but yeah, the the kids are at those ages and this would be the advice, let them do a lot of things and let them try a lot of stuff out, you know, and, uh, and they'll show you where they're good. Like with my oldest, you know, we did everything when she was a kid, gymnastics, dance, soccer, softball. And, but then man, she just, and it's funny because me being a track guy, like she had it, you know, and, and, uh, and you could just see it. And then we developed it and, and really where we started to focus down was probably later in middle school to then high school. We really focused down. And hey, and that has led to, man, one of the coolest things. To, while we were just on this podcast, I just got a text from her. She's walking a class and she's wearing her Notre Dame track and field shirt that she awesome. just got. You know, and uh, That's great. I don't know. It's uh, I wish I was there. <laughs> she, yeah, knows yeah. Like, she knows like I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do now? You know, like I was. Yeah. we've been together, you know, we've been a team for so long. You know that it's uh, I'm hey, but that's part of the experience, right? Like now, I'm learning what is it like when a parent sends their child away, and that was a that was an incredible range of emotions too. But I feel like I did my best to prepare her. I was coaching her until the last second. We said goodbye. <laughs> no, I was like, don't forget this, and be watch out for this, and no, oh, man, do the right thing. You know, make sure you, you know, I was trying every line I had, man, and uh, and I think that's what a coach does, right? Like, I really thought about that a lot. I didn't tell her, but you know, every need and everything I ever attest and everything I'd always help her prepare for, man, I was trying right till you're almost walking to the line, you're giving some last piece of advice. And that's what I was doing in a much bigger way when I was saying goodbye, you know? And, uh, and that's what a coach is, right? You're just, you're giving everything you got all the time in the hopes that something you either say or you do is gonna, you know, make some kind of difference. And, uh, but eventually you got to let them run that race or you got to let them you got to let them do their own thing, you know, yeah. and learn their lessons. And uh, so, yeah, part of coaching is also letting go.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, we my the, the reason why I bring it up, my wife and I, we have a – one's about to be seven. She's going into second grade, and I have a four-year-old and uh, two girls – and so I might be on the same path as you. Yeah, same <laughs> <at six, yeah,
1: laughs> man. Holy cow!
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, we were my wife and I. We were like, oh, what? Are, so she we're lining up our schedule for the fall, and she's like, well, we're gonna do dance on Tuesday, and we're doing gymnastics on Friday, and then soccer. And I'm like, how many things is too many things? <laughs> you know. And then she's like, well, it's so hard to figure out. Like we, it's almost like we have to pick for them now because they're so young. And I was like, no, we just give them variety, and then whatever they want to do, you know, like and like you were saying, like just try to put them in as many things as they can. And then once they Kind of figure it out, or like you know, if they're like, Well, I don't really want to go to dance anymore, okay, then like dance yeah, is yeah. over,
1: you know. Like, it, and, then we- I would say, though, and you know, having been through it, it's a combo, right? Like, because hey, here's how I always joke about it, Anthony is like, Hey, I don't ask my kids for financial advice, right? right? And so, I you know, so there are certain things the parent is going to make the decision, and uh, yeah, and it's this fine line we dance between. You know, you wanna see where they're talented and you gotta see through a lens not just being their parent, as objective as you can be. (laughs) (laughs) And uh and then uh but it is a combo of do they like it or not. But sometimes, hey, a kid you know, hey, if something involves, involves hard work, like I'll say this. My daughter probably said many times, I don't want to do track anymore, I bet, just cause maybe it was a super hard workout or or she was stressed at school. Who knows? But then there are times you gotta know enough to be like, ah, hey, you know, hey, let's give it another shot or let let's stick with it or something. But but I do agree, immerse them, see where they grab because they'll show you. They'll show you what they like, they'll show you who they are, and then your job as a as a parent, as a coach. Because that's interchangeable for your kids, you know, is like to support it and give them as much resources as you can to maybe achieve what they want to achieve. Like an example would be my daughter, my uh, second daughter. She's a really good swimmer. She went to states as a freshman, but she's already said like that. That I don't, I don't want to swim in college. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear what they do. They got to get up at four a.m. every day, and and man, I have no sketch You know, because already swim to be competitive is way different than track in terms of the time commitment the wins and what's you do and meets all the time and 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 it's interesting that yeah I'm not going to push her I'm not going to say no you're going to have to do this but she loves swimming in high school so hey let's maybe that's enough you know yeah but uh but it is a combo of both even down to and for every parent listening you're the one right that drives you to ev- drives them to everything you're the one that pays for it you're the one that does it all and so, it, a big role is counting on you too to make sure that all that stuff happens.
0: It's wild, and it's really interesting because you had to talk about so many different things, that I'm trying to take it all in. <laughs> and uh, so, when it, it's you were talking about being, I had Dan Chambliss on the podcast not too long ago. He wrote an article called "The Mundanity of Ex- Excellence," and um, he was talking about it's okay if that's all they want to do. Like you were talking about your daughter. He was like, it's okay. He, I guess he, what he did is he went and actually did swimming was his topic. yeah. And he went through and trying to divide up like what separated like world-class Olympic level swimmers from like recreational swimmers. And really a lot of it was the, that kind of mindset around it, which was very interesting. Um, and it was like, well, if you don't want to be great at that thing. It's okay to not, and he was essentially what he said was, it's it's okay to not want to do that in college. It's okay yeah. to just be really good at it in high school. And then that'll be, that'll be it. And I think he was talking about as a coach, sometimes we impart our own wills on our athletes Yeah. and we want their successes more than they want to have success in that particular thing. And we get maybe discouraged or frustrated
1: by those things. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And here's my line, which would summarize all of that, which is interesting. This is one that I put together and it's whose dream is it? Mm -hmm. Like you got to ask that as a coach, are you living? And Hey, I had to do that sometimes. I mean, when even my oldest, when it was getting really competitive, we're going to national championships. There's a lot of pressure starting not to be fun. And I had to sit back and say, Hey, whose dream is this, man? is this my dream? And I just want my kid to do this or does she want it? And sometimes the answers are scary where I had to back off on some things and let her really take the reins. And what does she want to do? Right. Cause you know, cause in the beginning, I guess it is the parent's dream and every parent listening, our dream is that they're a superstar. Our dream is, yeah, they're an Olympian. It's a scholarship, all these things, but it's okay for it not to be their dream. And if it isn't, you gotta support them. Now, hey, you can still try to influence a little, or you know, because again, you know, you see, you were you use the word excellence. I think that is ultimately what we all want as a parent—not mediocrity or average. But at the same time, man, yeah, it, it, it is. If it does not come from within that athlete, that's the final ingredient. Then, man, it is. Uh, you know, what, to quote Rudy, it ain't never gonna happen. Right? <laughs> and uh, and definitely. Um, some are born with it. They're natural competitors or, or they just have this drive that they're going to figure it out with or without you. And then there's some that, hey, you can help them along and, and give them the resources and great things will happen. And then there's some that like, yeah, that they don't like that. They don't like competition. It's scary. They, they don't enjoy it. They don't want to be around it. And if you drive them into it, there's nothing more famous than those stories of, you know, resentment for their parents because I, yeah, maybe ultimately we asked them to leave, live a dream that wasn't theirs.
0: Yeah. And early burnout too. You've seen that more and more with youth athletes. Yeah. yeah. And, but one of the things that's really interesting is like one of the, the things you, like I told you, I had listened to a long time ago and I was looking up some notes and you had talked about having a surrogate self-belief and in, in yeah. folks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, that stuck with me a lot too. And like like we're saying, like early on in those, those days, it's su- super important, especially if an athlete is new to something or trying something for the first time. And as coaches, a lot of times we know, because we're looking maybe from a different lens, we can sometimes have more confidence in their abilities than they have in their own abilities. Yeah. And being able to, you know, have that self-belief in them and build that confidence for them as a coach. And even like you're the three, you know, the definition of a coach, the three things from coach to coach to take you somewhere you want to go when you can't get there yourself. And sometimes when you don't realize you can even get there yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I would say without a doubt, the cornerstone of all of it is belief. Right. Like uh and here here would be a great line. And this is one that I I got out of a a book recently and I'm trying to make it my own. And it's just every person you work with, right? They deserve a great coach. They deserve a coach that believes in them. They deserve a coach that like, you know, is going to give everything that they have to help them get where they want to go. And, it, and I really, that was a neat idea, right? Like, so imagine you're a teacher at school and you walk in and it's like every day you walk in, and you're like, every kid deserves this incredible teacher and I need to be it right? And I don't think we attack it like that. I think most people are like, oh man, these kids are driving me nuts. Oh man, another day. Oh man, let me just get out of here. Or this is worse. And it's like, we forget that like, man, no, everybody deserves a great coach. And then, hey, and if you understand that, go be that, right? Yeah. And uh, that was that was just a, it's a cool idea that I've been marinating in the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. And I think the and the same thing with the classroom, even your classroom culture. Like you, you hear that from. You know, I'm in. I'm in the high school. I have I t- been teaching high school physical education for 14 or 15 years now. I don't even remember the, the the time, but you can. You always hear kids will be like, "Well, Mrs. Jones says we can do this in the classroom," and J- and Mr. Mr. Williams says we can listen to our headphones, and you know. Yeah. And every teacher has a different like subculture inside of their own classroom versus the culture of the whole school. And yeah. then when you start having these differing cultures from place to place to place it's confusing
1: also yeah and it's problems right because now it's you're creating hey remember from high tense what are you creating you're creating clicks man you're creating groups and then look now there's gossip oh well these people do this and that one did that and i don't like this and you know what vitamin l deficiency man (laughs) who's the who's the head who's the principal who's the leader that says this is how we do it here at this school? And hey, we're going to make some hard decisions, either headphones or no headphones, but, you know, phones or no phones, You dress code or no dress code. Like, I'll tell you what, my kid's school, I'll give you a couple examples. Number one, their dress, this dress code thing is strict and the kids know it and they understand it, right? And I like that. Yeah. Another one is, uh, I went to, you know, we, we just had the, uh, meet the teacher stuff because school started down here already a few weeks ago. I'm in North Carolina now. I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, And uh, down here, this one, we went to my daughter's second grade teacher and uh, it was nuts. I walk in, right? And the whole room is Star Wars. Like, I mean, (laughs) like this dude, and it's a, you know, her teacher is a a male and and he's just so into it. And I'm kind of into Star Wars. So I'm talking about it and showing him pictures. And here's what's interesting. She has been coming home and she's like, I love school. She's like school is so cool, and I really like it. And she wasn't saying that before. Now I'm not saying it's Star Wars, but what I'm saying is this dude's doing something to create this cool culture that the kids like going to school. Yeah, and uh, and it's funny because and here's why I would say it: all my buddies that are into Star Wars, because you know when I grew up in the '70s, that was that was the biggest thing. Everybody I sent that to, that are all my old friends. They're like, now that's what a classroom should be. Now that's what school is about. Now here's the thing. He's not in there teaching Star Wars, but he created this room that's like so fun and cool. Maybe that would be the, the coolest environment to go learn in. Yeah, you know, and inspire. And, and uh, I don't know, like he's creating some, so a, a culture and I'm going to learn more about it. We're only a few weeks in, but that kid didn't like school. And now she does like school and there's something there, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that we talked about, you talked about the vitamin L deficiency. And I think the thing that's hardest, I think, in my position and in schools and stuff like that is that the accountability factor of holding, you know, hey, these are, this is how we do things here. And then the follow up. Like it's easy to say, like, hey, we're not going to have headphones or we're not going to allow, you know, cell phones in the classroom. But then, how are we following up and how are we holding our staff or the kids or however, how are we holding them accountable? Like how did they, you talked about the, the school dress code in, in the high school, like how were they holding the kids accountable to that where they all knew the expectation they followed through with it. And then that's kind of like the other part of this. Yeah. It's easy to kind of like understand our culture. Maybe we make some things around our culture, but then there's the follow through and the stick to it, the consistency with it. That's the, the real meat and potatoes of, of getting it to stick.
1: No for sure, you know, and yeah, it, it it's so funny because I'm having breakthroughs now as we're discussing this and and again, do you see how remember what we said in the beginning, leadership is this piece that defines the culture. so leadership has to be there and you've got to understand the culture you want and then you got to do all the things to make sure that it not only happens, but then you protect it and you guide it to make sure you continue to get the the culture that you want. And that, again, that's being a parent, that's being a principal, that's being a coach, that's being a leader. And man, and if you don't do it, then you're not allowed to complain that you didn't get what you want. But that's only understanding after they've listened to this podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the other part of it. Yeah. Like, if you don't do those things, and that's why I, I think we, we have this culture in our society right now that there's a lot of complaining and there's a lot of talking, but there's not a lot of action. Yep. And, you know, in, in the book, uh, atomic habits by James clear, you know, like a lot of people are like, well, I need to be motivated by this. or I need to do this. Or, I need to do that. But he talks about like, instead of like thinking about motivation, being the catalyst to start, just start by doing something like create yeah. action that will create results that will create the motivation for you to continue that action.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, and I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I always say, man, your motions are gonna influence your emotions. Don't mm-hmm. wait to feel like it. Just act like it and you'll start to feel like it. You know, and I think there's been a million ways to say that. But yeah. really, yeah. And in the book, I think I have that line. What I call it, action is the antidote, man. Like action's the antidote to most things, right? You want to lose some weight, take some action. You wanna you wanna fix a relationship? Take some action. You wanna change your culture? Take some action. Hey, you want nothing to happen? Don't take action. Exactly. You (laughs) you You want any of those things I just mentioned to get worse? Don't take action. So really it's about addressing things, and that's what leadership is, right? And most people, you're either they're either gonna be afraid or lazy right? Like, that's what I usually say. You're either scared or you're lazy. That's the only reason you're probably not doing something that you know you need to be doing right now. And, uh, and so, Hey, either overcome that. And Hey, what's the antidote to that fear? Action. Action. (laughs) What's the antidote? What's the antidote antidote to laziness? Action. Yeah. What's the uh, antithesis of laziness? Action. Yeah. You know, so pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And I think we'll end it on that. Action antidote, man. And the idea that we're trying to get People like our whole premise in the in the gym, the podcast, newsletters, everything that we put out is to get people to find their prime, like to live their best life, and and you can only do that by creating action, right, yep. and, and putting things into practice and actually doing the the thing that you want to do.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Mario Wick, if people want to hang out and and check you out on social media platforms, you know, you got the books we talked about a lot of. Um, are you posting things on social media frequently, Twitter? Oh, yeah, yeah. all
1: the time. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at TheMartinRooney. I got tons of stuff on there. Hey, follow me on Facebook. But I've got two different websites. One is coachinggreatness.com. Lots of blogs there you could check out. There's also trainingforwarriors.com. And if you and if people didn't mind listening to my voice, I've got a podcast too called Into the Roar. And it's it's a lot of motivation and, and just – this half hour of power, I call it, that'll fire you up and give you and make you take some action too. So if you start there, I'm sure you'll find some stuff on me. And uh, and hey, obviously, if you liked what you heard today, please check out High Ten and Coach to Coach. And I'll tell you what, I'll make you a promise. If you don't like them, you can write me about it. I'll send you your money back because there hasn't <laughs> been a person yet. There hasn't been a person yet that hasn't liked it. It's just again are you going to read it? And because the, the answers are in there for you, but you got to take action. So, uh, you know, j- amazon.com can't go wrong. Exactly.
0: The one thing I will say that I wish you would have read the audible, the, the audio books.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you know, what's funny, the, the first one, it was the pandemic and same thing for the second one that they not flying you out there, but because it was a big publishing house, uh, they have had, this is what they said. They've had so many bad experiences that many authors are not speakers and yeah. many authors cannot do that, but they all want to read their own work and it ends up being horrible. So what they do is they hire professional people. And yes, I have listened to both audios. People love it, but it's not me. And uh, and I definitely would read some things differently, but people have loved the audio oh, version. I, I loved
0: it. I was just, yeah. I, I, I had listened to, I just, pre, right before that, I listened to Matthew McConaughey's book and he read it. Yep. And it just like, I could just tell that it hey, had a yeah, different yeah, had a different vibe talking. because they were his stories, right? You know, so like, I think that if you would have read the book and like, like you say, some of those stories and the way that you tell it and the way that I've heard you speak in front of 500 people, I've heard you speak in these different things, like the passion that comes through when you talk would have been a, a, a definitely brought some of those points home a little bit more. And I think that would have been awesome.
1: No, I agree. But hey, for everybody listening, high ten. The audio is six and a half hours. We listened to it actually on the drive. And I, man, I can't imagine what that guy had to do in studio. <laughs> like, how, you know, because imagine every mistake or you got to take breaks. That might have been a two or three day uh Shoot, for sure, and that's also why I think they get pros because that's what those people do. Yeah, you know where, uh, man, that could that could be really tough. So, so that's the explanation there. But I agree, and I appreciate it too because I I would love to have read it. And uh, but definitely, if people listen to the Into the Road podcast, there's a I definitely try to really hone in my inflection and the way that I do stuff to get people fired up.
0: Awesome, awesome. So thanks again for hanging out and enjoy the rest of your day rest of your little bit of summer left over. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you soon.
1: You got it. Thanks. My pleasure, Anthony. Take care. Thanks again for
0: tuning in to
1: another episode
0: of the Prime Podcast, where we do everything to help you find your Prime. Really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, show us some love. Give us some reviews and some feedback on whatever platform you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please give us some feedback so we know if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out, if you really, really enjoy the podcast and you enjoy everything that Martin has to say and you're a part of a team, part of anywhere, and you just want to learn more about culture and some of those skills that are required to build a great culture, whether it's in your home, on your team, in your business, then highly, highly recommend buying those books, Coach to Coach, High Ten, and I'm giving you a big high ten for staying this long. We'll see you next time. Whoa! Said, I'm at my prime.